eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome into Loho Daily. I'm Lawrence Holmes, a.k.a. Loho. Today's episode is a throwback, okay? I, and here's why. Last week, there was a report out that Ric Flair was near death. You know, TMZ was reporting that he was near death. His family contradicted it, saying that he had a scheduled surgery and everything's fine. Ric Flair has cheated death a whole bunch of times. He's in a plane crash. He had got struck by lightning. I think he fell off a roof. There was this stuff a couple of years ago. And I'm ordinarily what you do is if you have an interview with some great person and that great person dies, like you save it for the obituary. And I, I said to Tony, we needed to find the Ric Flair interview that I did five years ago. Five years ago, he was in town for a card show, so you'll hear that mentioned a little bit in here. But I was so happy to talk with him, and I'm not, I'm not sure why, but I, I, yeah, I am, because he was such a pivotal point of my childhood. So I thought, in celebration of Ric Flair being alive, continuing to cheat death, that I would share it. Now, here's what we had to go through to find it. We've changed our archiving system here at the score over the last few years. And so we had an audio vault system that we use and I had the interview in there, but we don't use that anymore. We use a system called wide orbit. I know this is a little inside baseball for you, but I wanted to tell you like what we went through. And I said, well, look, we tweeted it out. I remember that, that we had a link for it. We did, but CBS used to be our partner. We were a CBS radio station. We are no longer a CBS radio station. And some of the links to our old CBS website are gone. So I found it Sunday afternoon. I found the link, and the link was dead, was a broken link. And I'm like, oh, bleep. Like, I need that. I need to have that interview for my own personal archive. Along with people who love Ric Flair, I wanted to make sure that we had it in case something happened to Rick or in case he survives again. So I had my EP, Tony Gill, go through the archives. He found it. He found an an MP3 of it. 
And I said, fantastic. We can actually share this with the people. And then I played a, a clip of it, of him talking about sh- uh, Chicago on the radio show. And I threw it out to people and said, would you be interested in hearing an interview from five years ago, Ric Flair? And people said, yes. So I said, great. We'll make it an episode of the podcast and make it available for people. So this is it. This is me uh, celebrating Ric Flair. And you'll hear me fanboy out throughout this whole thing. But I wanted to share this so that, you know, we could celebrate Rick instead of me not using it until he dies. Why not celebrate him right now? Because he he has cheated death yet again. So this is me and Ric Flair five years ago. And it starts out with me talking to Rick about why he is so honest about his failures. Enjoy. Um. Well, you know, I was in the airplane crash in 75, and when I was recovering from that and all, not knowing whether I'd be able to wrestle or not again, the promoter in Charlotte said, you know, you look a little bit like Buddy Rogers, you know, let's, if this thing works out, let's chase that down. And then I we started with the Nature Bowl, and I started back in 76, and then, you know, I just, you know me, I, can't, I had image enhancement. So I started buying the robes, which Buddy never had, and, you know, but he had clothes, but not like mine. <laughs> and then, of course, along came Chicago in the snuggery. So, Stafford <laughs> on Rush Gibson's. <laughs> you were getting into a lot of trouble back then. <laughs> yeah, the 80s were, were brutal on me, especially Chicago. <laughs> How much were those robes? I heard somewhere between like eight and $20,000. Yeah, I started, I started out, you know, like my starter kit was about three grand. You know, because I wasn't making that kind of money to start out with, but I was quickly in the $10,000 range within a couple of years. So, yes, yeah, I think the most I ever spent on one was like 22 When but, you were, uh, when you were priceless now, so. When you would come to Chicago, what was it about this city outside of the places to go? What was it about this city and the fans here that you loved? Well, um, you know, first of all, I think Chicago is the greatest sports city in the country. I mean, I, I, I when I people tell me, when, you know, when I had a chance to go to Madison Square Garden the first time, that was going to be the mecca. And I've never even measured uh, my experiences in the Garden to Chicago. Chicago is, you know, unlike anybody else. And I, you know, I knew the Wirtz family, and I met Bobby Hall in 1964 when I was still in high school, and. You know, follow the Blackhawks and the Bulls and Michaels from North Carolina. So I knew Michael when he was 19 and from, from Wilmington. He got drafted. And, uh, you know, of course, you follow the Bulls. And it, it's just a great town. I mean, in wrestling, I, we've never not had a good house and a good crowd in, in, in all the years I've wrestled there in Chicago. They, they love it and they respect it and they treat us with respect and they appreciate hard work. So. You know, and, and look at that. The Blackhawks are hot again. I mean, they 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 had what one two in a row, and you know they're back in contention. The Bulls of Derek, if Derek Rose ever gets healthy, they are you know they're right back in contention. So you know it, it's cool to see the city grow or to see the see the city on fire sports wise. I, I had a couple guys on the Bears team that went to the Super Bowl reach out to me today and say, "Hey, when you talk with Ric Flair, remind him that he hung out with us before we I went." Did. I did. I should be hanging out with them again. You know, of course, you won on Sunday, but <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> What's going on with the Bears? Yeah, they're, they're really struggling, but every guy that I talked to said that they had a great time with you. Uh, what was, what was that we like? Did. Well, we, they, I came in uh, 
for the game against the Saints in the playoffs, you know, and uh, we didn't go to the Super Bowl, but I had a great time with those guys, and I did, uh, they put all my stuff up on the Videotron, and uh, it was a great experience. I had a lot of fun and hung out with those guys all night and, you know, got to be good friends with a couple of them, and, you know, relationships like that, you know, stay on forever, so it was really nice. A lot of respect, once again, you know, the cross-demographic appeal of wrestling and other athletes and, and us, for them, is, is, is very nice to, to experience. You've done this for a couple of teams, and I remember a couple of years ago you did it for the 49ers as they were getting right, ready. Last year, I got killed in Charlotte for it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you are Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte is flair country. So does it hurt yeah. a little bit that, that people there took it the wrong way? Yeah, they did, and, you know, it's been too bad. Plus, I had friends on the Packers. I mean, I'm friends with Aaron Rodgers and uh, Kevin Green, who was their outside linebacker coach. And, you know, everybody just took it personal, and I actually was doing it on behalf of the – I knew Harbaugh, you know, from when he played for the Bears and he came down to the matches. But the rest of the guys I'd never met in WWE because we have WrestleMania there this year coming up asked me to go talk to him. Well, in Green Bay, the eve of that game. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. So I got I got killed in both towns. <laughs> but, but, but hey, I mean, I think people will still love to have you come into the locker rooms or whatever to talk with you. We're yeah, talk- it was fun. It was cool. I, I, it's funny. They just, uh, I'm friends with Cam Newton. I was friends with Steve, but Steve went AWOL. But Steve goes AWOL on everybody, you know. He yes, he does. Yeah. He went AWOL on the Panthers when he left them, so... <laughs> That's Steve, you accept it. But I, I love Cam, and I really think the world of that tight end, uh, what's his name, the kid that came from you guys. Greg Olson. Greg Olson has had the problem with his uh, one of his children. I mean, he's just a great guy, and a great player, too. So, yeah, and I, I met Keekley when he first got drafted. And they've got some really nice kids on the team, but, you know, I guess I'm a 49er now, to look, at least until after the WrestleMania. <laughs> right? <laughs> you have to be that in, until then. <laughs> Or I won't be able to go to WrestleMania. <laughs> WWE will bar me. <laughs> no, they, they can't. Well, let's hope that they, they can't do no. that. Because I've seen you do some nice stuff with them, too, which I want to get to in a minute. What was your favorite memory of the Flair Steamboat saga? Chicago, right there, Chi-Town Rumble. 1989, we started that three-match series, you know, after all those years. And, uh, you know, people liked them, and they, they became a legendary faction in our business. What was it about that rivalry that was so special? Um, chemistry. You know, which is, you know, it's kind of hard to explain, but, you know, chemistry between, a, I guess, like a quarterback and a receiver or a defensive back and, you know, a linebacker. I mean, you know, the guys get to know each other, you know, whether they play against each other or play together. And uh, Steamboat and I just, we could make music. The only other guy I've ever been in the ring with that I, didn't even have to think about what I was doing with it. Shawn Michaels. I mean, he, that's how good you know, Steamboat was. He's right up there with Shawn Michaels, which is a great compliment. That was going to be my next question, but you already answered it. So, so that's good to know some of the guys that you loved being in the ring with. Yeah, Triple H, Randy Orton. Um, you know, I mean, I've been in a, the thing about me that's different. The only guy I've never wrestled that has any notoriety in this business is John Cena. Isn't that funny? But yeah, the Rock, that is. the Bruiser Brody, Dick the Bruiser. I mean, I wrestled Dick back in the old days in St. Louis, you know. So I, I've, I've been in the ring with all of them, so um, I feel very privileged. 
I'm spending a few minutes talking with Ric Flair here on The Score. He is going to be in town Saturday and Sunday at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center. He's going to be signing. He's going to be part of Fanatics Authentics and their sports spectacular to close out the year. So you can go and get something signed with the Nature Boy Ric Flair this Saturday. Plus I'm bringing a robe. First time ever I've worn a robe for pictures. So, you know. Really? Yeah. It's not on the airplane this time. It's actually going to be at the convention center. <laughs> That's nice. I love hearing that, that the rope is going to be out. That's great. Oh, okay, so so we, we know when it comes to Rick Ric Flair, we know where Flair country started. We know that if we're talking Mid-South, if we're talking the, the, the Southeast. Mid-Atlantic. Mid, mid Mid-Atlantic. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. the regions. You know, we yeah. know that that's Flair country. Oh, Mid-South. Oh, yeah, everywhere. I, was, I didn't miss one of them. Go so, ahead. So, so if it, regionalization was a big part of of your rise, that of that mm-hmm. popularity. Do you think that it's missing now that there isn't that that kind of growth from this guy is a star in this area of the country and now we see him, you know, hone his craft and then get to the big time versus kind of being put in front of the big time immediately. Yeah, well, I'm I with Bianca Shabbat, I think it's extremely difficult for the guys now that don't have the the luxury of you know training for two or three years and wrestling seven days a week, you know, like we did when we started. I mean, these guys are down to NXT in Orlando and they wrestle three three times a week and they practice all the time. But they wrestle three matches a week and usually against the same people, you know, for a month or two months at a time. So. When they call you up to the main roster, you better be ready to go because, you know, what I always say about the WWE, you're only, you're only as good as your last quarter hour, <laughs> your last rating. <laughs> you better put something on when you walk out the door and then say, man, I'm watching you, especially live on Raw. When it came to the stuff with the NWO and, and, and you're in WCW, did you feel like, you were devalued because there were times like even knowing what it is and knowing what it's all about, there were times yeah. where I went, you know, maybe they're going a little far with this. Well, I knew I was being devalued, but you know, the thing, their theory was out of sight, out of mind, you know, but every time they needed something, guess who, guess who they came to, which is no secret to be follow wrestling. I mean, it's just what it was, but I understood they wanted to do something new and, uh, you know, I was getting paid and then, you know, but they just kept, They'd get me so far down the line, and then they'd, you know, turn it off. But I used to be upset about it, but now I look at it and say, you know, hey, um, I was a big part of it, and I was there at the end. And the thing I feel the best about it, I never said anything about um, WWE, which those guys would go out there week after week. We're going to shut down WWE. We're going to be Vince McMahon, right? I used to go, okay, to myself. Let's see how this works out for you. And then along came Steve Austin and The Rock and DX and Hunter. <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> like he said the other night on TV, he said he bought a, a dysfunctional library. <laughs> 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 so that was it. I mean, he just you know you don't you don't want to buck Vince McMahon in our business. No, that he he can be a a very very tough customer. I saw a very touching moment with you and your daughter and her becoming the next champion. And you got emotional in, in the match and after the match. What was that like for you to see her put a belt on? Um, it was the biggest moment of my career. 
and I tell everybody that. Bar nothing in my career, that was the biggest moment of my life in wrestling. And for it to happen with a member of the Hart family in the ring, too, it's basically wrestling royalty in the ring. Yeah, it was very cool having Brett and, and, and Natalia or Natty there. Um, Natty's a tremendous performer. and They just put on a match. That I've never seen anything like that since I've been in the business. Not that I watched all of them, but, I mean, I think it was pretty well recognized as one of the greatest female matches of all time. And, you know, part of it is because they gave them, like, 16 or 17 minutes to work and really show their skills and what they were trained for the moment. And they, they just put on a great show. And, of course, I always love beating Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I never I never could on TV, but I'll, I'll take that as a victory for me. What was your favorite incarnation of the Four Horsemen? That the group? Yes. Uh, Barry, Tully, Arn, myself, and JJ. It's nice. Yeah, Barry, Barry was Barry was phenomenal. He only left early because he, you know, I, he got tired of traveling, and he, you know, had a son who was in high school wrestling, and it just worked out. Barry came along, and Barry was phenomenal. I mean, to this day, I think Barry's one of the top. 12 to 15 wrestlers that I've ever performed in a ring with. I've ever seen perform. Barry was awesome. Why do you think people attach to, to that group, too? Because when you think about excellence in wrestling, you think about the Four Horsemen. Um, oh, I just think it was four guys that could really all perform at a high level and everybody could talk, and uh, we were really believable. And we pretty much lived what we said, at least I did. I don't want to get anybody else in trouble. <laughs> but if I said it, we were doing it. I was doing it anyway, which made it. If I said we were coming downtown Chicago, we were downtown. <laughs> so, and Chicago was a lot of fun for us, you know. I tell everybody, I, I hurt myself between 11 and 3, depending on what city I was in. So if it was Chicago, it could be 5 a.m., you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I just could have gone home at 11. <laughs> are, are, are you happy with the way things turned out with, with your career? Would you trade anything for, for the way things turned out with you? No, there was a time when I wish I would have said no, you know, when I always just said yes just to get along. But I don't know. As I look back on it now, I don't regret it. You know, I, you know for me, if I didn't have fun, I wasn't, I didn't enjoy the business. And, uh, if I had to worry about, you know, you know, being in, in, in competition with somebody, I wasn't worried about anybody being better than me in the ring. But if I had to worry day and night about, you know, not getting along with the people I was working with, I, I would have been miserable. I wouldn't have been able to make it. So when I went back to WWE in 2001, what, you know, where I anticipated this might be hard for me with all these guys and I'm so much older, it would turn out to be the greatest seven years of my life. I mean, I mean, I, I had a lot more fun probably in the 80s than the kind of fun you could have back then. But from 2001 until I retired in 2008 was the most cherished time of my life in the business with the WWE. And I had a great time with a great bunch of guys. I mean... Batista, Orton, Triple H, you know, Edge. It was just a great trip on Shawn Michaels. I mean, The Undertaker. It was a great time. I had a great time. I mean, memories that will stay with me forever.
do you think that that's because the guys that were then getting close to the top or at the top of the business had grown up watching you? Because I, I do feel like there was a point in, in the late 90s and the early 2000s where you weren't given the proper respect. And once you go over to the WWE, I'm sure that there's a bunch of guys that go, oh, my God, that's Ric Flair, and maybe see you in a different light, in a more reverent light than you were treated at the end of the, the run in WCW. Um, well, actually, you know, it's, it's, it's not that it's, it wasn't the guys in WCW didn't treat me with respect. Management didn't, you know, it's just the guys never treated me. I never felt any disrespect for anybody there. Um, those are management decisions, you know, and who, and whoever was involved in that, it didn't bother me, but, um, I, I've never had a problem with respect. You know, I mean, the WWE, of course, as a company, as a whole, Vince McMahon, you know, he, 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 I mean, we just, we just talked about what a tough business guy he is, but he, if you work hard for him and you're honest with him, he will stand by you, to, you know, for the rest of your life. I mean, that's just the way he is. You know, he just, he doesn't expect any more from you than he would, than he would, um, give to the business or back to you. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah, that, that you, okay. it, anybody, anybody's got a problem with him. It's because they have a problem with themselves because he's very fair. He just wants you to work hard, you know, and the kind of money the guys are making, they should work hard. That's just, you know, it's kind of like Robert, what's his name? The kid in Washington now. Robert Griffin III. Yeah. T telling the rest of the team to play hard, right? Well, you know, he needs to worry about himself. Not going to talk to a bunch of guys that half them are probably all pro. You know what I mean? And that, and those, those kind of comments just create, you know, tension for everybody instead of focusing on winning next week now they the redskins are walking around looking at each other which is sad because it's a storied franchise and they shouldn't have those kind of problems you bled a lot during matches were you ever worried never <laughs> i'm good at that i know you're you're probably the best ever at <laughs> well, that but i always brought it up i am it's not, i'm not allowed to talk about that <laughs> I, I always I was always worried that you might pass out. No. Not even close. It's not even close. And I you know, as a matter of fact I didn't even think about it. I just if that was where we were going, it was part of the drill and I was excited to be part of it. You're also you are, have the record for the, the match that was most seen by an audience, what, hundred and ninety thousand people? Uh, in, in, in Korea, what was it yeah. about you going to the Far East that fans would pop immediately? Well, I, 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 I want to give you an impression they popped for me. That was North Korea, by the way. It was in Pyongyang. And I went with Muhammad Ali, which was real cool. I spent seven days with Ali, which was, I'd already known him, but not after spending seven days with him, but those fans weren't there as a result of me being on the car. They were there because Anoki, who is a Korean-born, you know, a national figure in Japan, put together. It was like a peace game type thing. But it was it was cool. But I I wouldn't do it again. North Korea is not my favorite place. Yeah, right now it's I'd much, it's... I'd much rather come wrestle in Chicago than North Korea. <laughs> so so Rodman, what? Robin's trying to get me to go back with him. I said, Dennis, forget it. <laughs> yeah, that's that was a bad look for Dennis when he went over there. I don't want you to yeah. get caught over there. 
Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> so what can fans expect when they come and see you on Saturday and Sunday up at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center? Um, well, you know, I'm just always respectful of fans that come out to see me, but it, it's not just me. It, it's the array of talent that's going to be there. I mean, a lot of times when I have a chance to work for Molly, uh, I know I'm going to make money because I always do when I'm with Molly, but I'm excited to see all the guys. I mean, Chelios is going to be there, Gail Sayers. Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Steve Carlton. I mean, it's a, it's a guess. It's a who's who of baseball, you know, if you follow baseball. And, uh, you know, sometimes she does football shows. There are a few football players there, but it's more some hockey players and uh, a lot of baseball players are legends of yesteryear. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun for me just to mingle and hang around with those guys. Frank Thomas will be there. I mean, it, it's, it's just cool. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be there and be part of it as I am to, to you know, be making money. That makes sense to you? It does. And, and I know that people are going to mark out and they're going to come and see you and all that. I, I can't let you go without asking you about the, one of the local kids. I think there are a lot of people in, that are wrestling fans that are really sad to see CM Punk not in the ring anymore on a big mm-hmm. stage. What did you think of Punk? Well, I liked him a lot personally. I don't know him that well, but I never had a problem at all. I just... And I wasn't privileged to know what happened. I still don't, and I really don't care. Uh, I like his wife. I think she's a you know phenomenal athlete. And uh, I actually have talked to her probably more than I went to Australia with her, or a couple trips with her than I have to him. I mean, he was just always a nice kid, very respectful of his business and respectful of me. I, I I don't know what happened, you know. And there's always going to be two sides to story, so I don't ask. Well, Rick, this this was a real pleasure for me. Yeah, I, I heard he's doing well and doing stuff with Marvel magazine. He is. He's so, writing Thor now yeah. for for Marvel, so that's a big deal. I knew I knew he liked that kind of stuff, so he landed on his feet, and uh, I think he probably saved his money, so he's in a good place, and he's got a nice wife. So good luck to him. Well, thanks for doing this. This this meant a lot to me for, no for problem, you coming man. on the show. Um, Why not see me? I, I might be able to do that, and the next time you're in Chicago, uh, Jr. told me that I can I can try to buy you a drink, but you're always going to buy. But I'm going to try and buy you a drink the next time that you're in town. <laughs> okay, at Gibson's, you got a deal. You got it, my man. I got okay, you all day man. over there. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Lawrence, very much. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.